Hello, today I'm going to be reading you a set of rules uh, by, in a book called Food Rules, as in the wordplay is food does rule in terms of it's the best for your health, uh, but also the, um, you know, what is food, the rules for understanding what food is. Um, and it's a book by Michael Pollan international best-selling author of In Defense of Food and the title is Food Rules and Eater's Manual. So I'm going to be reading you some of those rules in number format. Thank you for listening and enjoy the book. Food Rules Section 1 the rules in this section will help you to distinguish real foods, the plants, animals and fungi people have been eating for generations. From the highly processed products of modern food science that increasingly have, be have come to dominate the American food marketplace and diet, each rule proposes a different filter for separating the one from the other, but they all share a common aim, which is to help you keep the unhealthy stuff out of your shopping cart. Number one, eat food. These days it's easier said than done, especially when 17,000 new products show up in the supermarket each year, all vying for your food dollar. But most of these items don't deserve to be called food. I call them edible food-like substances. They're highly processed concoctions designed by food scientists consisting mostly of ingredients derived from corn and soy that no normal person keeps in the pantry or the larder. And they contain chemical additives which the human body has not been long acquainted with. Today, much of the challenge of eating well comes down to choosing real food and avoiding these industrial novelties. Rule number two, don't eat anything your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. Imagine your great-grandmother or grandmother, depending on your age, at your side as you roll down the aisles of the supermarket. You're standing together in front of the dairy counter. She picks up a package of Gogurt, portable yogurt tubes, and hasn't got a clue what this plastic cylinder of coloured and flavoured gel could possibly be. Is it food or is it toothpaste? There are now thousands of foodish products in the supermarket that our ancestors simply wouldn't recognise as food. The reasons to avoid eating such complicated food products are many and go beyond the various chemical additives and corn and soy derivatives they contain or the plastics in which they are typically packaged, some of which are probably toxic. Today, foods are processed in ways specifically designed to get us to buy and eat more, 
by pushing our evolutionary buttons, our inborn preferences for sweetness and fat and salt. These tastes are difficult to find in nature, but cheap and easy for the food scientists to deploy, with the result that food processing induces us to consume much more of these rarities than is good for us. The great grandma rule will, be, will help to keep most of these items out of your cart. Note, if your grandmother was a terrible cook or eater, you can substitute someone else's grandmother. A Sicilian or French one works particularly well. The next several rules refine this strategy by helping you to navigate the treacherous landscape of the ingredients on the label. Rule number three, avoid food products containing ingredients that no ordinary human would keep in the pantry. Ethoxylated diglycerides, cellulose, xanthan gum, calcium, propionate, ammonium sulfate, can't even say these words really. If you wouldn't cook with them yourself, why let others use these ingredients to cook for you? The food scientist chemistry is designed to extend shelf life, make old food look fresher and more appetising than it really is, and get you to eat more. Whether or not any of these additives pose a proven hazard to your health, many of them haven't been eaten by humans for very long, so they are best avoided. Rule number four, avoid food products that contain high fructose corn syrup. Not because high fructose corn syrup is any worse for you than sugar, but because it is like many of the other unfamiliar ingredients in packaged food, a reliable marker for a food product that has been highly processed. Also, high fructose corn syrup is being added to hundreds of foods that have not traditionally been sweetened, breads, condiments and many snack foods. So if you avoid products that contain it, you will cut down on your sugar intake. But don't fall for the food industry's latest scam. Products reformulated to contain no high fructose corn syrup or real cane sugar. These claims imply these foods are somehow healthier, but they are not. Sugar is sugar. Rule number five, avoid foods that have some form of sugar or sweetener listed among the top three ingredients. Labels list ingredients by weight and any product that has more sugar than other ingredients has too much sugar. For an exception to this rule, see rule 60 regarding special occasion foods. Complicating matters is the fact that thanks to food science, there are now some 40 types of sugar used in processed foods, including barley malt, beet sugar, brown rice syrup, cane juice, corn sweetener, dextrin, dextrose, fructo-oligosaccharides, fruit juice concentrate, glucose, sucrose, invert sugar, polydextrose, sucrose, turbinado sugar, and so on. To repeat, sugar is sugar, and organic sugar is sugar too. 
As for non-caloric sweeteners such as aspartame or Splenda, research, both in humans and animals, suggests that switching to artificial, artificial sweeteners does not lead to weight loss, for reasons not yet well understood. But it may be that perceiving the brain with the reward of sweetness stimulates a craving for even more sweetness. Rule number six, avoid food products that contain more than five ingredients. The specific number you adopt is arbitrary, but the more ingredients in a packaged food, the more highly processed it probably is. Note one, a long list of ingredients in a recipe is not the same thing. That's fine. Note two, some products now boast somewhat deceptively about their short ingredients list. haagen has a new line of ice cream called Five. Great, but still it's ice cream. Same goes for the three ingredient, Tostito corn chips, advertised by Frito-Lay. Okay, but they're still corn chips. In such case, apply Rule 60 for dealing with treats and special occasion foods. Rule number seven. Avoid food products containing ingredients that a third grader cannot pronounce. Basically the same idea, different mnemonic. Keep it simple. Rule number eight. Avoid food products that make health claims. This sounds counterintuitive, but consider. For a product to carry a health claim on its package, it must first have a package. So right off the bat, it's more likely to be processed rather than whole food. Then, only the big food manufacturers have the wherewithal to secure FDA-approved health claims for their products and then trumpet them to the world. Generally, it is the products of modern food science that make the boldest health claims, and these are often founded on incomplete and often bad science. Don't forget that margarine, one of the first industrial foods to claim it was more healthful than traditional food it replaced, turned out to contain trans fats that give people heart attacks. The healthiest food in the supermarket the fresh, fresh produce doesn't boast about its healthfulness because the, the growers don't have the budget or the packaging. Don't take the silence of the yams as a sign they have nothing valuable to say about your health. I would also suggest that you visit the website of the medical medium, a guy called Anthony Williams, who channels information that is not yet scientifically proven but eventually gets proven and he's written a series of books to help you understand how food can be a healer and what it can do what it contains in terms of substances such as celery salt which is cluster salts which are very healing and he also started the celery juice movement so that's the medical medium check him out and get the inside info from, from him about what foods contain and how they support your health naturally. Rule number nine, avoid food products with the wordoid 
light, or the terms low-fat, or non-fat in their names. The 40-year-old campaign to create low- and non-fat versions of traditional foods has been a failure. We've gotten fat on low-fat products. Why? Because removing the fat from foods doesn't necessarily make it non-fattening. Carbohydrates can also make you fat and many low and non-fat foods boost the sugars to make up the loss of flavour. Also, by demonising one nutrient, fat, we inevitably give a free pass to another, supposedly good nutrient, carbohydrates in this case, and then proceed to eat too much of that instead. Since the low-fat campaign began in the, in the late 1970s, Americans actually have been eating more than 500 additional cal- calories per day, most of them in the form of refined carbohydrates like sugar. The result, the average male is 17 pounds heavier and the average female 19 pounds heavier than in the late 70s. You're better off eating the real thing in moderation than binging on light food products, spelt L-I-T-E, packed with sugars and salt. Rule number 10. Avoid foods that are pretending to be something they are not. Imitation butter, aka margarine, is the classic example. To make something like non-fat cream, cheese, that contains neither cream nor cheese, requires an extreme degree of processing, Such products should be labelled as imitations and avoided. The same rule applies to soy-based mocked meats, artificial sweeteners and fake fats and starches. Rule number 11. Avoid foods you see advertised on television. Food marketers are ingenious at turning criticisms of their products and rules like these into new ways to sell slightly different versions of the same processed foods. They simply reformulate to be low fat, have no high fructose corn syrup or trans fats or to contain few ingredients and then boast about their implied healthfulness. Whether the boast is meaningful or not, the best way to escape these marketing ploys is to tune out the marketing itself by refusing to buy heavily promoted foods. Only the biggest food manufacturers can afford to advertise their products on television. More than two-thirds of food advertising is spent promoting processed foods and alcohol. So if you avoid products with big ad budgets, you'll automatically be avoiding edible food-like substances. As for the 5% of food ads that promote whole foods, the prune or walnut growers or the beef ranchers, common sense will, one hopes, keep you from tarring them with the same brush. These are the exceptions that prove the rule. Bogus health claims and faulty food science have made supermarkets particularly treacherous places to shop for real food, which suggests the next two rules. Rule number 12. Shop the peripheries of the supermarket and stay out of the middle. Most supermarkets are laid out the same way. Processed foods, products dominate the centre aisles of the store, 
While the cases of mostly fresh food, produce, meat and fish and dairy line the walls. If you keep to the edges of the store, you'll be much more likely to wind up with real food in your shopping cart. This strategy is not foolproof, however, since things like high fructose corn syrup have crept into the dairy case under the covered cover of flavoured yoghurts and the like. So read the labels before you trust that it's real food, even if it's in the side aisles. I think that's the point he's making. Rule number 13, eat only foods that will eventually rot. What does it mean for good food to go bad? It usually means that the fungi and the bacteria and insects and rodents with whom we compete for nutrients and calories have gotten to it before we did. Food processing began as a way to extend the shelf life of food by protecting it from these competitors. It's often accomplished by making the food less appealing to them, by removing nutrients from it that attract competitors, or by removing other nutrients likely to turn rancid, like omega-3 fatty acids. The more processed the food is, the longer the shelf life, and the less nutritious it is, typically is. Real food is alive, and therefore it should eventually die. There are a few exceptions to this rule. For example, honey has a shelf life measured in centuries. Note, most of the amorphous food-like substances in the supermarket are found in the middle aisles. Rule number 14. Eat foods made from ingredients that you can picture in their raw state or growing in nature. Read the ingredients on a package of Twinkies or Pringles and imagine what those ingredients actually look like raw or in places where they grow. You can't do it. This rule will keep all sorts of chemicals and food-like substances out of your diet. Rule number 15. Get out of the supermarket whenever you can. You won't find any high fructose corn syrup at the farmer's market. Also, you won't find it elaborately processed foods, any packages with long lists of unpronounceable ingredients or dubious health claims, anything microwavable or perhaps best of all, any old food from far away. What you will find are fresh whole foods harvested at the peak of their taste and nutritional quality. Precisely the kind your great-grandmother or even your Neolithic ancestors would easily recognise as food. The kind that is alive and eventually will rot. Rule 16. Buy your snacks at the farmer's market. You'll find yourself snacking on fresh or dried fruits and nuts, real food, rather than chips and sweets. Simples. Rule number 17. And the time is 1717 as I read this. Eat only foods that have been cooked by humans as opposed to animals or marsupials. Or perhaps machines, I think that's what they mean. If you're going to let others cook for you, you're much better off if they are humans rather than corporations. 
In general, corporations cook with too much salt, fat and sugar, as well as with preservatives, colourings and other biological novelties. They also aim for immortality in their food products. Note, while it is true that professional chefs are generally humans, they often cook with large amounts of salt, fat and sugar too. So treat restaurant meals as special occasions. Following are a few useful variants on the human cooked food rule. Rule number 18, following on from 17, don't ingest foods made in places where everyone is required to wear surgical caps. In other words, perhaps where there's chemicals, harmful toxic chemicals uh, around. And I'll go with number 19. If it came from a plant, eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't. Rule number 20. It's not food if it arrived through the window of your car. Rule number 21. It's not food if it's called by the same name in every language. Think Big Mac, Cheetos or Pringles. So that ends part one of the book called Food Rules. Section two. In this section, we're going to look at the rules about eating real food. If you follow the rules offered thus far, you will be eating real whole food most of the time. The simple key to a healthy diet. Beyond that, you have a great many options. One lesson that can be drawn from the striking diversity of traditional diets people have lived on around the world is that it is possible to nourish, our, nourish ourselves from an astonishing range of foods, so long as they really are foods. There have been and can be healthy high-fat and healthy low-fat diets, but they have always been diets built around whole foods. Yet there are some whole foods that are better for us than others, and some ways of producing them and then combining them in meals that can make a difference. So the rules in this section propose a handful of personal policies regarding what to eat above and beyond food. Rule number 22. Eat mostly plants, especially leaves. Scientists may disagree on what's so good about plants, the antioxidants, the fibre, the omega-3 fatty acids, but they do agree that they're probably really good for you and certainly can't hurt. There are scores of studies demonstrating that a diet rich in vegetables and fruits reduces the risks of dying from all the Western diseases. In countries where people eat a pound or more of vegetables and fruits a day, the rate of cancer is halved what it is in the United States. Also, by eating a healthy diet that is primarily plant-based, you'll be consuming far fewer calories since plant foods with the exception of seeds, including grains and nuts, are typically less energy dense than the other things you eat. And consuming fewer calories protects against many chronic diseases. 
Vegetarians are most notably healthier than carnivores and they live longer. Rule number 23. Treat meat as a flavouring or special occasion food. While it's true that vegetarians are generally healthier than carnivore, that doesn't mean that you need to eliminate meat from your diet altogether. Meat, which humans have been eating relatively a long time, is nourishing food, which is why I suggest mostly plants and not only. It turns out that near vegetarians or flexitarians, people who eat meat a couple of times a week, are just as healthy as vegetarians. But the average American eats meat as part of two or even three meals a day, more than half a pound per person per day. And there is evidence that the more meat there is in your diet, red meat in particular, the greater risk you are of getting heart disease and cancer. Why? It could be the saturated fat or its specific type of protein or the simple fact that all meat is pushing plants off the plate. Consider swapping traditional portion sizes. Instead of an 8 ounce steak and a 4 ounce portion of vegetables, serve 4 ounces of beef and 8 ounces of veggies. Thomas Jefferson was probably onto something when he recommended mostly plants that uses meat chiefly as a flavour principle. Rule number 24. Eating what stands on one leg is better than eating what stands on two legs, which is even better than eating what stands on four legs. The Chinese proverb offers a good summary of traditional wisdom regarding the relative healthfulness of different kinds of food, though it inexplicably leaves out the very healthful and entirely legless fish. Now, if you haven't eaten a legless fish, you haven't lived. Rule number 25, eat your colours, colours of the rainbow. The idea that a healthy plate of food will feature several different colours is a good example of an old wives' tale about food that turns out to be good science too. The colours of many vegetables reflect the different antioxidant phytochemicals they contain. Anthocyanins, polyphenols, flavonoids, carotenoids, many of these chemicals help protect us against chronic diseases, but each in a slightly different way. So the best protection comes from a diet containing as many different phytochemicals as possible. And these are phytochemicals, spelt P-H-Y-T-O chemicals, which help you fight F-H-I-G-T diseases and unhealthy consequences. Rule number 26, drink the spinach water. Another bit of traditional wisdom with good science behind it, the water in which vegetables are cooked is rich in vitamins and other helpful plant chemicals. Save it for soup or add it to sauces or indeed add it to your smoothies or use it in gravy. Think about the ways in which you can incorporate the vegetable water in which you cooked your vegetables to retract all of the goodness out of them.
Rule number 27, eat animals that have themselves eaten well. The diet of animals, we strongly influence, we eat strongly influence the nutritional quality and healthfulness of food. The food we get from them, whether it's meat, milk or eggs, this should be self-evident, yet it is a truth routinely overlooked by the industrial food chain in its quest to produce vast quantities of cheap animal protein. That quest has changed the diet of most of our food animals in ways that have often damaged their health and healthfulness. We feed animals a high energy of diet to grain, diet of grain to make them grow quickly, even in the case of ruminants that have evolved to eat grass. But even food animals that can tolerate grain are much healthier when they have access to green plants. And so it turns out, are there meat and eggs? The food from these animals will contain much healthier types of fat, more omega-3s, less omega-6, as well as appreciably high levels of vitamins and antioxidants. For the same reason, meat from wild animals is particularly nutritious. See Rule 31. It's worth looking for pastured animal foods in the market and paying the premium prices as they typical they typically command if you can. Rule number 29. Eat like an omnivore. Whether or not you eat any animal foods, it is a good idea to try to add some new species and not just new foods to your diet. That is, new kinds of plants, animals and fungi. The dazzling diversity of food products on offer in the supermarket is deceptive because so many of them are made from the same small handful of plant species and most of those, the corn and soy and wheat, are seeds rather than leaves. The greater the diversity of species you eat, the more likely you are to cover all your nutritional bases. Rule number 30. Eat well-grown food from healthy soil. It would have been easier to say eat organic. And it is true that food certified organic is usually well-grown in relatively healthy soil. Soil nourished by organic matter rather than chemical fertilisers. It will also contain little or no residue from synthetic pesticides or pharmaceuticals. Yet there are, there are exceptional farmers and ranchers in America who, for one reason or another, are not certified organic. And the excellent food they grow should not be overlooked. And just because food is labelled organic does not mean it's good for you. Organic soda is still soda, a large quantity of utterly empty calories. We now have a body of research supporting the hypotheses first advanced by organic pioneers Sir Albert, Howard and J.I. Rodale, that soils rich in organic matter produce more nutritious food, that is, food with higher levels of antioxidants, flavonoids, vitamins and minerals. Of course, after a few days riding cross-country in a truck, the nutritional quality of any kind of produce will deteriorate. So ideally, you want to eat food that is both organic and local. Rule number 31. Eat wild foods when you can. Two of the most nutritious plants in the world, 
lamb's quarters and purslane are weeds and some of the healthiest traditional diets like Mediterranean make frequent use of wild greens. The fields and forests are grown crowded with plants containing higher levels of various phytochemicals than their domesticated cousins. Why? Because these plants have to defend themselves against pests and diseases without any help from us. And because historically we've tended to select and breed crop plants for sweetness, many of the defensive compounds plants produce are bitter. We also breed for shelf life and so having unwittingly selected for plants with low levels of omega-3 fatty acids since these acids quickly oxidize turn rancid. While animals and fish too are worth adding to your diet when you have the opportunity, wild game generally has less saturated and more healthy fats than domesticated animals. Because of these wild animals themselves eat a diverse diet of plants rather than grains. So time to go foraging and finding food in the forest. Forest food. The forest is alive so the food will be alive. Rule number 32. Don't overlook oily little fish. Wild fish are among the healthiest things you can eat, yet many wild fish stocks are on the verge of collapse because of overfishing. Avoid big fish at the top of the marine food chain. Tuna, swordfish, shark, because they are endangered and because they often contain high levels of mercury. Fortunately, a few of the most nutritious wild fish species, including mackerel, sardines and anchovies are well managed and in some cases are even abundant. Those oily little fishes are particularly good choices. According to a Dutch proverb, a land with lots of herring can get along with few doctors. Eat some foods that have been pre-digested by bacteria or fungi. Many traditional cultures swear by the health benefits of fermented foods, foods that have been transformed by live microorganisms such as yoghurt, sauerkraut, soy sauce, kimchi and sourdough bread. These foods can be a source of vitamin B12, an essential nutrient you, you can't get from plants. B12 is produced by animals and bacteria. Many fermented foods also contain probiotics, beneficial bacteria that research suggests improve the function of the digestive and immune systems, and according to some studies, help, re reduce, help reduce allergic reactions and inflammation, and also improve gut health, by the way, if you've had lots of antibiotics, which kill the good bacteria in your body. And these fermented foods will help you put back the good bacteria back into your system and prevent things like leaky gut, which doesn't sound very nice. So go and get your jar of sauerkraut. It's also good for um, lockdowns and power outages. Okay. Rule 34. Sweeten and salt your food yourself.
whether soups or cereals or soft drinks, foods and beverages that have been prepared by corporations contain far higher levels of salt and sugar than any ordinary human would ever add, even a child. By sweetening and salting these foods yourself, you'll make them to your taste and you will find you're consuming a fraction as much sugar and salt as you otherwise would. Rule number 35. Eat sweet foods as you find them in nature. In nature, sugars almost always come packaged with fibre, which slows their absorption and gives you a sense of satiety before you've ingested too many calories. That's why you're always better off eating the fruit rather than drinking its juice. In general, calories taken in liquid form are more fattening because they don't make us feel full. Humans are one of the very few mammals that obtain calories from liquids after weaning. So don't drink your sweets. And remember, there's no such thing as a healthy soda. Rule number 36. Don't eat breakfast cereals that change the colour of the milk. This should go without saying. Such cereals are highly processed and full of refined carbohydrates as well as chemical additives. So, no more Cocoa Pops and no more Frosties. Food rule 37. The whiter the bread, the sooner you'll be dead. This rather blunt bit of cross-cultural grand motherly advice passed down from both Jewish and Italian grandmothers suggests that the health risks of white flour have been popularly recognised for many years. As far as the body is concerned, white flour is not much different from sugar. Unless supplemented, it offers none of the good things, fibre, B vitamins, healthy fats. In whole grains, it's little more than a shot of glucose. Large spikes of glucose are inflammatory and wreak havoc in our insulin metabolism. Eat whole grains and minimise your consumption of white flour. Recent research indicates that the grandmothers who lived by this rule were right. People who eat lots of whole grains tend to be healthier and to live longer. Rule number 38. Favour the kinds of oils and grains that have traditionally been stone ground. When grindstones were the only way to refine flour and oil, flour and oil were generally more nutritious. In the case of grain, more of the germ and fibre remains when it is ground on a stone. You can't get white flour from a stone. The nutritional benefits of whole grains are impressive. Fibre, the full range of vitamin B, the healthy soils, healthy oils, all of which are sacrificed when the grain is refined on modern roller mills. As mentioned, Highly refined flours are little different from sugar. And the newer oils that are extracted by modern chemical means tend to have less favourable fatty acid profiles and more additives than olive, sesame, palm fruit and peanut oils that have been obtained in the old-fashioned way. Rule number 39. Eat all the junk food you want as long as you cook it yourself. There is nothing wrong with eating sweets, fried foods, pastries, even drinking soda every now and then. 
but food manufacturers have made eating these formerly expensive and hard to make treats so cheap and easy that we're eating them every day. The French fry did not become America's most popular vegetable until industry took over the jobs of washing, peeling, cutting and frying the potatoes and cleaning up the mess. If you made all the French fries you ate, you would eat them much less often, if only because there's so much work. The same holds true for fried chicken, chips, cakes, pies and ice cream. Enjoy these treats as often as you're willing to prepare them. Chances are good it won't be every day. Rule number 40. Be the kind of person who takes supplements, then skip the supplements. We know that people who take supplements are generally healthier than the rest of us, and we also know that in controlled studies, most of the supplements they take don't appear to be effective. How can this be? Supplement takers are healthy for reasons that have nothing to do with the pills. They're typically more health conscious, better educated and more affluent. They're also more likely to exercise and eat whole grains. So to the extent that you can be the kind of person who would take supplements and then save your money, there are exceptions to this rule. For example, people who have a specific nutrient deficiency or are older than 50, as we age, our need for antioxidants increases while our body's ability to absorb them from the diet dis declines. And if you don't eat much fish, it couldn't hurt to take a fish oil supplement too. Rule number 41, eat more like the French, Japanese, Italians or Greeks. People who eat according to the rules of a traditional food culture are generally healthier than those of us eating a modern Western diet of processed foods. Any traditional diet will do. If it were not a healthy diet, the people who follow it wouldn't still be around. True, food cultures are embedded in societies and economies and ecologies and some of them travel better than others. Inuit, not so well as Italian. In borrowing from a food culture, pay attention to how a culture eats as well as what it eats. In the case of the French paradox, for example, it may not be the dietary nutrients that keep the French healthy, lots of saturated fat and white flour, as much as their food habits. Small portions eaten at leisurely communal meals. No second helpings or snacking. Pay attention too to the combinations of food in traditional cultures. In Latin America, corn is traditionally cooked with lime and eaten with beans that would otherwise be a nutritional deficient staple, becomes the basis of a healthy balanced diet. The beans apply amino acids lacking in corn and the lime makes niacin available. Cultures that took corn from Latin America without the beans or the lime wound up with serious nutritional def deficiencies such as pellagra. Traditional diets, diets are more than the sum of their food parts. Lesson rule number 42. Regard non-traditional foods with scepticism. Innovation is always interesting, but when it comes to food, it pays to approach new creations with caution. 
If diets are, if diets are the product of an evolutionary process in which groups of people adapt to the plants, animals and fungi, a particular place has to offer, then a novel food or culinary innovation resembles a mutation. It might represent an evolutionary improvement, but chances are it doesn't. Soy products offer a good case in point. People have been eating soy in the form of tofu, soy sauce and tempeh for many generations, but today we're eating novelties like soy protein isolate, soy isoflavones and textured vegetable protein from soy and partially hydrogenated soy oils and there are questions about the healthfulness of these new food products. As a senior FDA scientist has written, confidence that soy products are safe is clearly based more on belief than hard data. Until we have the data you're probably better off eating soy prepared in the traditional Asian manner than according to the novel recipes dreamed up by food scientists. Rule number 43. Have a glass of wine with dinner. Wine may not be the magic bullet in the French or Mediterranean diet, but it does seem to be an integral part of these dietary patterns. There is now considerable scientific evidence for the health benefits of alcohol to go with a few centuries of traditional belief and anecdotal evidence. Mindful of the social and health effects of alcoholism, public health authorities are loath to recommend drinking. But the fact is that people who drink moderately and regularly live longer and suffer considerably less heart disease than teetotalers. Alcohol of any kind appears to reduce the risk of heart disease, but the polyphenols in the red wine may have unique protective qualities. Most experts recommend no more than two drinks a day for men, one for women. Also, the health benefits of alcohol may depend as much on the pattern of drinking as on the amount. Drinking a little every day is better than drinking a lot on the weekends and drinking with food is better than drinking without it. Someday, science may figure out the complex synergies at work in a traditional diet that includes wine, but until then, we can marvel at its accumulated wisdom and raise a glass to the paradox. So cheers, here's to a wonderful way of eating and developing those good habits. This ends the section two of food rules and section three is going to be focusing on how you eat. But there are many ways and books that can tell you that if you'd like to get the book. I think it came with a magazine one day, one of those free books, um, but it's available on penguin.com if you want to read the hows, the how to eat. I already have quite a lot of knowledge about how to eat, trained by Paul McKenna and his, his uh, diet program, his weight loss program, really focuses on, on that, how to eat. So developing good mindful habits around how to eat. That would be part three of this book. 
um, but I've just covered the first two sections just to give you an idea of some of the more unusual tips and hints of how to develop a healthy, balanced way of eating. Thank you for listening. Happy eating.